Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. So I was, uh, I was just talking to my buddy Greg in the back. I asked him if he'd ever heard the story of the camel, and uh, he hadn't. I'm assuming everyone else hasn't. So I wanted to tell you the story about this camel. Um, this young camel says to his mom and says, um, hey, mom, why do we have like three toes, these big old giant toes on us? And she says, well, hey, little camel, um, you have those so when we're walking through the desert. Um, you don't sink in the sand, and you can walk across the top of the sand in the desert. It's like, wow, that's awesome. So the camel says, well, hey, mom, like, why do we have these really big eyelashes? Same thing. Uh, mom says, hey, you know, when you're walking through the desert, it gets windy there, and the wind starts to blow, and it can blow sand in your face, and the eyelashes keep the sand from getting in our eyes. Wow, that's really cool. Well, so mom, why do we have the huge hump on our back? Well, little camel, we have a hump on our back because it's going to store water and nutrients we need when we're on a long journey and we can't get any of that in the desert as we're traveling long distances. And he's like, wow, that's really great. The toes and the eyelashes and, and the, the hump on our back that's storing all the nutrients and stuff we need. Mom, if, if that's what we're made for, then why are we in the San Francisco Zoo? <laughs> now, that's how so many of us feel. Do you ever feel that way? Like, you were born to be something different. You were born to live the free way and the free life, but you're just stuck. You're just in a spot. And that kind of sums up a little bit of this process that we began and we're walking through to the free way, to this life of freedom and who we're made to be. Um, last week when we were looking at it, we have almost 350 or 350 or so people engaged in the books. And so I'm excited as you guys are working through that. And I encourage you as today we're going to begin step one. And last week we got to open with the story of the prodigal uh, God or the coming home um, party. And this is a story that may be familiar to some of you about uh, a young man who said, hey man, I'm ready to do things on my own. Went to his pops and says, I'm out of here. I need to go live my way, the free way. And I need all the money, my inheritance earlier. And so uh, as a gracious father, he gave it to him, let his son run far and fast. And he went and he lived hard. He partied hard. He spent hard. He lived to be free. But at the end of the day, he was in bondage and he wasn't free. And what we learn in this story is just like the father in this story is that we have a heavenly father who loves us even, even when we make on choices. He loves us while he waits for us to come back home for him. He loves us when we fail. He loves us not because we're good, and uh, not because we deserve it, but because he's no ordinary father. He's an extraordinary heavenly father. And after the son takes his inheritance, he runs and blows it all. He runs as far as way as he could. After all of the parties, after all of the prostitutes, after all the drugs, after all the alcohol, he ends up broken, crashed and burned. He ends up feeding pigs. <clears throat> and in a moment of self-awareness, is what I want to take us to in this moment. This one verse we're going to sit on and into for just a, this afternoon. It comes from Luke 15, 17. It says, he came to his senses. In this moment of self-awareness, this is step one for this process to the freeway, to freedom. He looked at himself in the mirror about how messy his life had become, about who he had become. And in a moment of self-awareness, he came to his senses. So I want to do a little test about how self-aware are you? How self-aware do you think you are? 
Um, so I have a, a couple of little questions and some stuff for you to look for. And the first question is, what color is this dress? <laughs> Who's team white and gold? Who's team black and blue? Yeah. You're like afraid to raise your hands. You're like, I see something different. I don't know what's going on. Well, we know who's really aware in the room then. <laughs> um, okay, so here's a serious one. I have a, I, <laughs> I have a video for you. Some of you are going, wait, what? People see different colors? Where have I been? Um, <laughs> I have a real video for you. I want you. Everyone's literally telling somebody else, like, I don't know. It's the craziest thing right now. Let's just take a deep breath in. <laughs> that just happened. All right. So here's a video for you. You are going to see a white team. They have a basketball. Uh, you're going to see a black team. They have a basketball. I want to see how aware you are. I want you to count. You need to count how many times does the white team pass the ball. So here, check this out. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? All right, so what do you got? 13. 13. Wow, you guys are pretty aware. You're pretty good. But did anyone notice the dancing bear? What? Let's watch that again. Let's see how aware you really are. This is an awareness test. You're going to have to look. It's going to come from the right side of the screen. I'll point it out for you. All right, right about now, look on the right of the screen. We're going to do a little dance. We're going to moonwalk it. We're going to moonwalk it right out of the picture. <laughs> you, you thought you were so smart. <laughs> I am aware. 13. <laughs> <laughs> the first part of the freeway requires one of the most difficult things, and that's self-awareness. Some of us uh, may be walking through life right now and not realize that we have a dancing bear in the middle of it. Now, self-awareness, by definition, um, we, we think, hey, that, that, that's not the problem um, because it just, by definition, it doesn't make sense. And, and what we don't realize is that we all have a blind spot in our life. We all do. We all have blind spots, things that people don't see or that we don't see, but others do. And some of you are sitting here maybe right now saying, oh, this is going to be great. They're finally, I'm glad they need to hear this. They have something <laughs> in their life that is in a blind spot. I'm going to send this podcast to five people. Already I know it. I'm talking to you. <clears throat> Everyone has a blind spot. Everybody has blind spots, whether it's a spiritual blind spot, an emotional blind spot, relational blind spot, financial blind spot, a parenting blind spot. There's an area in our life that we just can't see. Some of us dominate every conversation. We don't even realize it, but people are talking about it behind our back. Some of us have really irritating mannerisms that drive people crazy. Some of us are name droppers. They don't think they are, but everybody else knows it and says, why do they always do that? Some of us violate people's personal space and then try to justify it by saying the other person has the issue. Some of us are constantly trying to make ourselves sound smart because deep down we have insecurity. Some of us just want to make jokes and make fun of everything all of the time. Maybe we're doing that just because it's masking an insecurity that they have. We don't see it, 
but everybody else does. In other words, friends, the truth about you and the truth about me, and this can be really scary, is that we don't really know the truth about ourselves. If uh, you ever talk to someone who's found the freeway or had this moment in their life, you talk to them, people who have dealt with the change that set them free from their past, with the change that's helping them in the future, with the change that delivers them from your future. If you always talk to those people, almost always, almost every single time, they can point you back to this very vivid, clear, defining moment in their life. Whatever may have brought them to that moment, whether it be pain, guilt, boredom, frustration, shame, grief, fear, loss, it drove them to this defining moment that's very vivid, this experience that made them start looking at their life in a new and fresh way. And with this renewed self-awareness, they say, I don't want my future to be like my past. I don't want to go on living like this and they just come to their senses. You ever talk to somebody like that? They're like, I don't know what it was. I was just, I was like lost in this little spot. I was doing these things and all of a sudden just came to my senses. So we ask, uh, when did the prodigal son come to his senses? If we look at it and we think about it, it wasn't when he was running, when he was going as fast as he could. It wasn't when he was partying. It was, wasn't when he was in a hurry. It was when he slowed down. When he slowed way down, when he was with the pigs, when he was hungry, and he was just hanging out with them, and he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating, he came very self-aware. And so I want to share with you three big ideas about awareness today, our first step. And that's this. Often, the speed of life keeps us from hearing the voice of God. Often, the speed of life keeps us from hearing the voice of God. We are addicted to speed. It's intoxicating. It starts with you're small and you're little and you're like faster, faster. You get on the, the little merry-go-round at the playground. They don't even do those anymore. I think so many limbs have been broken off. You know, the little spinny thing when you're like, <laughs> you want to make it go faster because you just want to see an awesome accident, really. <laughs> if you're like me, you're sick like that. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great <laughs> until it happens. <laughs> and then you feel bad. But, okay, side note. It starts when you're young, you're like, Dad, faster, faster. And then you get in your car and you're like, you want to put the pedal to the metal. And I'm sure many of you guys have used this quote from uh, the infamous Goose and Maverick moment in Top Gun. I have the need, the need for. That's right. It's on. We like it. So we drive down our highways going 70 miles an hour, putting our makeup on, eating a breakfast sandwich, drinking our Starbucks, talking on the phone, (laughs) figuring out what our day looks like. And we don't call that sick. We call that multitasking. our daily schedule being jerked from here to there to here it's on top of things and next and this and that what you need to do we're hurried here we're hurried there but let's be honest friends the hurried life isn't the better life now sometimes in life you do want things to be in a hurry like if you need an ambulance you'd like it to hurry (laughs) please hurry and get here if you're in child labor you'd like the baby to come in a hurry I know this from experience, well, not me personally, but my, my wife, she became another person, and I said, medicine, hurry, please, with the medicine, <laughs> let's get this baby out, I would like my wife and my friend back. <laughs> but let me ask you this, what enduring value in your life has ever occurred in a hurry? Have you built, built deep, close, marital intimacy, connecting 
while you're in a hurry? Have you been able to recognize what's been going on in the heart and the soul of your son or daughter while you're in a hurry? Have you built deep, life-giving, replenishing, close relationships with friends or in a community group while you're in a hurry? Some of you maybe here today are exploring and checking out faith, figuring out God. Who is this God? What is it about? Do you really think you're going to be able to figure out who God is and see and know him if you're in a hurry? Friends, the greatest enemy of self-awareness in our culture today is hurry. There's a book written by a guy named John Orberg, and the book is called The Life You've Always Wanted. He says this, the truth is, as much as we complain about it, we're drawn to hurry. It makes us feel important. It keeps the adrenaline pumping. It means that we don't have to look too closely at the heart or life. It keeps us from feeling our loneliness. If you're a follower of Jesus, you think you're going to experience the deep, convicting work of the Holy Spirit that needs to be done in your life when you're in a hurry? You're going to experience him illuminating areas that need the most attention when you're in a hurry. I think, friends, that we stay in a hurry to help protect us from having a look at ourselves closely, deeply. There was a guy named Elijah. He's a one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament in First Kings, um, it talks about how God said, hey, come out, I'm going to pass by. I'm going to talk to you. So he went out. He said, the Lord, go stand by this mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord will pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. We know about that wind around here. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. We know about that too. <laughs> But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And that's where the presence of God was. It wasn't in the thunder and the lightning and the craziness and the hurry of life. It was in a gentle whisper. Because when you whisper, you have to lean in. Sometimes we just don't hear that small, gentle voice because we're in such a hurry. And we miss it. And often, friends, the speed of life keeps us from hearing the voice, the whisper of God. Number two, God established the principle of the Sabbath to reveal things about yourself that you'll never grasp in a hurry. <clears throat> Let me read that again for you. God established the principle of the Sabbath to reveal things about yourself that you'll never grasp in a hurry. Now, some of you are like, yeah, the Sabbath... Babbeth, it's old, like life's busy, stuff's going on. Let me just talk to you about this for a moment. We are made in God's image from the very beginning. He established this rhythm to life that kind of creates this balance from engagement to withdrawal, from work to rest, from effort to ease. In fact, he even built this into the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth one. Read with me in uh, Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but on the seventh is the Sabbath for the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughter, nor male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea and all that was in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 
See, God created the world and everything in it in six days. But he wasn't done because he created a day of rest on the seventh day. It's important to recognize that. We see Jesus does this too in the New Testament, that for six days a week he runs, he goes hard, and then he has a day of rest because he knows you need it. You need that seventh day to remember who God is and that you're not him and that there's things in your life that you're not aware of and you need to come, become aware of who you really are. Remember that you have a soul and that God loves you. So why is this issue of slowing down so serious with God? Because he knows that when life's out of balance, when things get just a little bit off, people look worse. <laughs> Been there, done that? Problems look insurmountable. When you're tired, families are harder to love and to get along with. When you're exhausted, escapes into secret sin looks more inviting and appealing. And when you're living outside of the rhythm God placed for you in your life, many times you don't find you have time for God. Now, I want to help you with something here, friends. Um, the difference between busy and hurry, because I know this is something I personally have struggled with. And I'll tell you that all of us in this culture today, in the 21st century, I don't think that we can live lives that aren't busy. We have stuff going on all the time. There's always something going on. So here's the difference between the two. There's busy and there's hurried. The first one is busy is you have a full schedule. Hurried is preoccupied. Let me explain. So <clears throat> this has been an uh, awful and outstanding experience this last week and a half um, that has shown me with bright lights the uh, season of hurried I have been in because I've been preoccupied. And that is that 14,000 people got an ad in the Benicia magazine about our Easter services with like three weeks the wrong date <laughs> and, and spelled Sunday wrong. I don't know. It's like, it's like the... Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly what I needed right now. No, it's okay because like... Literally over 30 people have texted me. Did you know? Did you see this? I mean, hello, how do you not know what Easter is? Jesus raised from the dead. Hello, that's like your job. <laughs> <clears throat> but you know what it's been? I've been hurried. I've been preoccupied looking at it. And it's just been a bright light this week. Uh, it's, we do that. That's a perfect eye-opener, an example of, yep, this is what my life looks like right now. Busy is many activities. Hurried is unable to be fully present. Been there, done that? Well, let's say you haven't, but let's say you know somebody, you've been there, and they're like not even fully present, and you're like, hello. Would you like to have a conversation with the person sitting right in front of you? Get off the Facebook because the face is right here, <laughs> right? You haven't done that, right? Busy is outward conditions. Hurried is an inner condition of the soul. Busy is physically demanding. Hurried is spiritually draining. Busy is I need God. Like, hey, I'm busy. I got a lot going on. I need God to help me get through this. Need him. Hurried is unavailable to God. Like, <clears throat> I can't even get there. One thing that's really helped me in my own life, and this tension back and forth between busy and hurried, has been the example of Jesus. I heard it many years ago. Said that um, hurry is the defamation of spiritual formation. Jesus was always busy. He was never hurried. 
if you look at it, he was always busy. There was always people to see. There was always somebody who needed him. There was always somebody who needed to be touched or healed or talked to or loved on and just seen for who they are. But he was always busy doing that, but he was never hurried. He always had time and made time for his father and to get refreshed and get replenished. On a long day of busy work, at the end of the day, he got into a boat. He went out onto the other side into seclusion. All you guys that have been trying to talk your wives into that you need a boat, I just gave you a scriptural reference <clears throat> to make that happen. I'll go with you. We'll go out. <laughs> it's helped me in my own life. And a church this size um, where there's 13, 1,400 people that come through on some sort of regular basis and say this is their home and they come to you when they're in need, literally, it could be every hour there is some kind of major crisis going on, whether it's an accident, someone's in the hospital, someone's marriage is struggling, finances, children. There's always something going on. But Jesus made time for his soul, and he slowed down. It says in Mark 1, 35 through 36, it's very early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. I said, wait, where'd Jesus go? Dude, Jesus, we've been texting you. You haven't answered our text messages, and we've called you like five times. Don't tell us that you haven't gotten the calls, because we know. Let me see your phone, right? Like, where are you at? You're not allowed to go off and be by yourself and have a moment to yourself. We need you right now. And this is a really big deal, a really big lesson right here, is that Jesus said no to nonstop accessibility, Chew on that one for a second. It's not that he didn't love other people. It's not that he didn't care about his friends. It's not that he didn't know people needed him. It's that he understands hurry is the enemy to soul work. And as awareness increases, hurry decreases. And you're never going to find freedom in your life, friends, until you stop the hurry and become more self-aware. And if you don't slow down, you can't become more aware. Number three, the way to freedom begins when you stop saying, I'm busy, and start saying, God, I'm ready. Hmm. The way to freedom is when you stop saying, I'm busy, and start saying, God, I'm ready. That's a scary moment for all of us to do that. I want to uh, show you probably one of the most important prayers that you can pray daily, and that's the prayer of awareness. It's from Psalm 139, 23. It says this, search me, God. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Search me, me, in me. Pause. Search me, God. Know my heart. It's like um, getting work done in a car. You, uh, if you go nowadays to get work done in your car, they don't have to like dig around very much. Now they just plug something into the computer and it will tell you, it will search through the little system and tell you what's wrong with the car. This is like saying, God, search me. Plug into me. Plug into me. Look at maybe why my check engine light's flashing on and off. Search me, God. Why am I making that noise? God, why do I idle so fast? 
God, why are the RPMs in my life so out of control? God, search me. What am I chasing? What am I running from? Is all this extra stuff that I keep accumulating, is it really making my life better? Why is my body running so rough? Why can't I sleep at night? Why does my soul feel so empty? Why does my mind keep racing? Search me, oh God. Why can't I say no? Am I, am I addicted to approval? Why do I try to overschedule my kids? God, please show me what that's doing to my family. What's, what's fueling this competitive drive in my life where I always have to be first at everything? What part does procrastination and clutter play in overwhelming me? Why am I such a perfectionist? Why do I work hard to be accepted when I'm already accepted by you? Why do I run so fast to be a somebody when I'm already a somebody? Why do I feel distant from you, God? When Jesus says, come to me, why don't I run? Why don't I go? You have to pop the hood, friends. You have to say, take a look inside. The way to freedom and the freeway always begins when you stop saying, I'm busy. And you start saying, God, I'm ready. I want to close with this question, this thought. When you think about your life, do you like who you're becoming? When you think about your life, do you like who you're becoming? Some of you guys are going to really chew on that this week. You're going to work through that. And some of us aren't going to like the answer. The good news is this, though, friends. The good news of Jesus Christ is that who you were yesterday doesn't have to limit who you can be today. Who you were yesterday doesn't have to limit who you can be today. Would you bow your heads? This first step to the freeway to freedom is extremely important. For some of you, that maybe this might be awkward, but we're, we're, um, we're going to take just a few moments and just allow you to reflect, to let God search you, know your heart. We're always like ready to go to the next thing. We look and we're like, okay, church service is 65 minutes, in and out. I got things to do. I got places to go. What's next? I'm going to give you some space right now. We're going to create a little bit of space just for you to have a moment. Take it. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.